The Mental Wealth Podcast, hosted by Justin Little, is proud and honored to announce that we are now sponsored by BetterHelp.com. During hard times, it can get really difficult if you don't have anyone to talk to. Being alone with your thoughts can be an isolating feeling that can allow negativity to consume you. I know for me personally, this past year of 2022 has been one of the toughest years of my life. In fact, many of us throughout the pandemic have experienced more mental health concerns than ever before. For me personally, having someone that I can trust to talk to, to give me the therapy that I need has made me feel better and allowed me to cope. That is why I am proud to be sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp has customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Then you schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. You can request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime. Join the 2 million-plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. So many people use BetterHelp that they are currently recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Mental Wealth. That's BetterHelp.com slash Mental Wealth. Go get that 10%. And most importantly, take care of yourselves. Welcome. I'm Justin Little, host of the Mental Wealth Podcast, available on Apple, Spotify, and Google, and now heard in 31 plus countries worldwide. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, follow, and share this podcast, and feel free to leave us a review. To support us, find us on Instagram at the mental underscore wealth podcast, and be sure to visit our brand new website, www.mentalwealthpodcast.org. That's www.mentalwealthpodcast.org. If you'd like to support us financially, be a guest, or sponsor an episode, please email us at contacttmwp at gmail.com. As always, please take the time to invest into your mental health, wealth, and well-being. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Justin Little, and you're listening to the Mental Wealth Podcast. All right, we're back with another episode of the Mental Wealth Podcast. I'm live in the booth with Taj Lewis, a.k.a. T. Sleepless. Did I get that that, get that correct, bro? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How you doing today, bro? I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm blessed and beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Every day above ground is a beautiful day, so it's good to be here. Blessed and beautiful, man. That's, that's, that's awesome. Uh, T. Sleepless, man. Explain that name. Explain that tagline for me. <laughs> oh, man. So... <laughs> the what the uh the meaning behind my name yeah like the yeah this the meaning or what that means to you like was a nickname that you gave to yourself other people gave to you like how did that come about well so i have kept a little bit of anatomy around the creation of my name um i will say that uh my artistry was born at the uh some of the lowest moments in my life and a lot of the you know I feelings of like this emotional brutality that the world can impose upon us is where my artistry was born and it played a large part in the creation of my name. Um, and I've really just gone by the stage name for uh, years now at this point uh, to kind of separate the um, artistry from the person 
uh, to have that dichotomy that, you know, I love to see and our other artists that are much bigger than me, much wiser than me. Okay. I respect that. I just, I was curious, man. I was just like, man, there's something, <laughs> something unique about that. So don't have to tap in um, for more with you to understand, uh, you know, some of the work that you're doing. Uh, j just Absolutely. to let the audience know, you know, right now on your IG, I mean, your IG is blown up, right? You know, in the last week mm -hmm. or so, I mean, you you gained, what, thousands of followers, like overnight, still gaining yes, followers? Yes, it was, it was unreal. I Literally, every time I wake up, it's just, it's, it's like a fever dream. Honestly, I can't really believe it. It's been hard to wrap my head around, but it's uh one of the most beautiful things I feel like I've experienced so far in life. So so this performance, you know, in YouTube, you were in Philly. You Are you from Philly? Uh, I'm based in South Jersey, but I'm in Philly all the time because I love Philly. I love the city. Okay. Oh, we're gonna we're definitely we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tap in because I'm gonna be up in Camden in yeah. in a few weeks for a Black Men Hill event. So I'm a you know when we go off oh, mic, wow. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about that. But my people's from Philly, so yeah, we'll definitely tap in. Um, Word, that's what's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah for there. sure. Yeah. So you you uh voices in power on YouTube mm -hmm. right now. Um, you you were at an event doing some poetry. That has almost 30K views on YouTube. But then when you really, mm -hmm. really went viral was IG. We all know like millennials, we consume information very quickly in mm -hmm. real format, short form format on mm -hmm. uh, IG. And you got 1.5 million views right now on yep. uh, a piece of your poetry. And uh, I think uh, obviously multiple people didn't repost it on their page. So there's hundreds of thousands of more. But just tell me what that meant to you, like seeing your 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 poetry and stuff like that go viral. Like, what was that feeling like? This the fine like feel seen and heard. Like, talk to me, talk me through that. So I have been saying for the longest time, um, as a poet specifically, that to speak and be heard is the highest honor that can be bestowed upon you as an artist in this niche. And you know, I've been walking in that path, that alignment. And, you know, expressing my gratitude to others who speak and um, to to achieve the amount of viewership that this video has is literally the highest honor that I feel like I can achieve as an artist, because, you know, there's nothing I, I just don't, I don't I'm still trying to I'm a poet and I don't even have the words to describe what it feels like. Honestly, I have every word at my disposal. And I can't figure out how to put it together. But to speak and be heard on such a vast level and to see how it has impacted people. I have hundreds upon hundreds of messages of people just saying the type of impact that it's had on them. And it's, it's been the most humbling grounding experience. And it's also uh, all the affirmation that I needed that I'm in alignment with what I want to do in my life, with my purpose, my passion, and my joys are all in alignment. And, you know, I love this because it helps other people love themselves and understand themselves. And I feel like that's all I've ever really wanted for myself. And, you know, I'm a huge believer in being what you, you know what I'm saying? You have to be the things that you want to receive. So for me to do this for other people is the same as, you know, it happening for me in return. And it's just, I, I mean, I don't even know, man. It's just been the most gratifying thing. It's incredible to say the very least. That's what's up, bro. When when did you when did you start writing? Like when did you know you wanted to do poetry or like when, you know, as a creative, like when when was that first niche in your mind? Do you remember how old you were or what triggered you or what motivated you just to start writing some of those thoughts now? So my earliest memory of uh first experiencing a love for writing was in second grade. Um I had a teacher who uh we I was in a writing class in elementary school. And I don't remember what it was that I wrote. I just remember, you know, a very vague, um, it's like, you know, your memory is a little fragmented the younger you are, but I wrote something and it stood out to the teacher to the point where she brought me to the front of the class and used what I wrote as an example for everybody else in the class of how to create imagery and to and put emotion in, in, your, in writing. And when I stood there next to her and she was, you know, pouring praise into something that I felt like I was just doing. That is the earliest memory I have of falling in love with writing. And so I've been writing since the second grade. I have never stopped. I write almost every single day. I write more days than I don't. Um, and as far as, you know, as long as I've been performing, uh, there's been a local open mic right here in South Jersey called Miss Illy's Blues that I've been going to for about three or four years. And um, I was just 
still very much very new to performing you know still experiencing the brunt of you know stage fright and anxiety and all these things that come with uh coming out with your artistry and being vulnerable to a crowd and this year uh in january um i decided to branch out and start going other places i've been traveling and hitting open mics in the tri-state area i've been so many places at this point but um i've, I've been performing for about four years and this year was when I decided to jump all in 100% everything into poetry and, and decide that I really want to make this my livelihood, my career. And I'm not exactly there yet, but I've been working tirelessly to, uh, to transform my life into one that I've envisioned for a very long time. That's what's up, bro. That's that's awesome. Um, everyone has, you know, their creative juices and, and different aspects of their life, whether they're a writer, we have singers, you know, we have speakers, we have artists we have you know people people can flex the creative muscles but i love that you found something for you that obviously works now when you when you create your work like we're uh, you know we're going to get into some of the specifics in, in a second here some of the stuff you you've uh you've written but like where where does that come from like talk to me about like just a little bit of your childhood or any inspiration you might gain from things from your life experiences from things that you've seen how does that motivate you how does that inspire you when it comes to uh, your art um, so my inspiration for writing, um, the most of the content that I write, um, I've been told that it's very haunting and it's kind of chilling and that's, and it appeases the, this, um, kind of the sensory, this, this desire for this type of sensory that people, that we all have, which is just like the, um, the curiosity for just the blunt truth. And I write in a way about um, just life in a very, it's, it sounds very cold. And um, and that's just because that's how I felt, you know, growing up a lot. I was, I just felt like the world was a very cold place from a young age. And the older I got, the more I realized that that is exactly correct, unfortunately. And there weren't very many examples to disprove my belief that the world is a very cold and unforgiving place to be in. And um, as far as my childhood, I was, um, you know, I was I was very loved as a child by my parents, my um my mom specifically. I was really raised by my mother. Uh, I had a little bit of a broken family growing up. You know, uh, my um biological father was um kind of taken out of the picture for reasons that I didn't know of the time at the time, and I was never really nothing was ever really explained to me. And there was a lot of changes around me that I just didn't understand and weren't being told about. So. One day he was there, I was there with him all the time. And the next, we were in a totally different area and it was just my mom and I was just confused and upset all the time and I never had answers. And then my stepdad came into the picture and at first we had an extremely rocky relationship. We just, we never got along, you know, I didn't know who this man was and, you know, he's my father all of a sudden, this, that, and the third, you know, it's a story we've all heard a million times. And, you know, I was a very, very, um, reserved child um and going through the public schooling system I was I've, I've been in Jersey my entire life uh Washington Township specifically is the school district that I was put through which is you know a very elitist very you know it was, it was a very racist and um it was a prejudice school I really did not like it at all I didn't get along with most people and you know my entire life I spent in observation mode I was very easy to miss I was overlooked a lot and um, it contributed a lot to my kind of my my demeanor growing up, which was that, uh, you know, the world kind of sucks and people kind of suck, too. And it was, it was a very unfortunate, pessimistic view that was imposed upon me involuntarily. And I had no choice but to adapt to it. And it has played an immense role in the way that I write because, um, you know, I'm not above admitting that I have a lot of bitterness and things like that, that part that contribute to the way that I write because of um, just how much I was overlooked and unseen and unheard. And despite how much I tried to be the opposite of those qualities for the people around me, it was um, never really reciprocated by anybody except really my mother. And, you know, I've taken more time than I could probably ever describe to self-reflect and to, you know, understand all the things that I've been through and why and the meanings of it all. 
and I'm a much healed person nowadays, but back then I was just lost as lost as the word, you know, can get. And, um, so I, that is, you know, it has been, my upbringing has been an instrumental part in the way that I write and why I write the way that I do and will continue to write most likely. And you're, I just assume you're like probably like in your twenties millennial. Yeah, I'm 23 at the moment. 23. Okay, 23, 23, Jordan years. So what was, <laughs> what was like, because you, you talked about some of the things like, you know, having, you know, your mom in your life, you know, you had the situation with your dad, the school district. So these are all things that affect the young mind. And I think this is very, very good for the audience to hear because when they, you know, understanding how that then translates into your, into your work helps us see that bigger picture. What I want to know, because you have spoken about, you know, masculinity and manhood and the pressures mm -hmm. they put on men and mental health. Those are some things you've spoke about when mm -hmm. you were young. Was was there space? What what did you deal with anything mentally or did, did you see oh. space for mental health? What what was some of those things like for you in your generation? Because we're we're in a slight I'm a little bit older than you, but I, I want to get from your perspective. What space was mental health given in your community growing up? What 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 uh, exposure were you given to mental health? There was absolutely nothing, and I cannot I cannot um, no lie. There was literally nothing, nothing whatsoever. Everybody around me looked like a bunch of actors and a bunch of clones, all running from the same exact thing, and nobody was talking about it at all. And it was the most mystifying thing in the world to be this ghost of a person. You know, like I said, very overlooked, very easy to miss. Just witnessing this play play out in front of me every single day of all of these lost, confused, fake, happy, fake, smiling people around me everywhere. And I just felt like I was living in a horror film every day because there was no conversation about the same demon haunting all of us. Every The, the same thing, lurking in our shadows, lurking in our bedrooms, lurking in the shower, every, the same thing whispering in all of our ears and no one is saying a word about it. Nobody's giving space to it or everybody's just acting like it's not there, like this elephant in the room isn't there. There is so much stuff that everybody's swept under the rug. There's not even any room to walk through the front door. It's so cluttered and no one's talking about it. It was, it was this unreal type of lack of transparency. Uh, there were no safe spaces. There was no conversation. There was nothing being taught in the schools. There was, it was just this, like I said, it felt like a play and some puppeteer, this, this mental disease, this puppeteer controlling everybody. And, you know, it, it, was, it was crazy. And I still see it to this day everywhere. And um, it's just my job to talk about it. I consider myself a mental health poet because I write a lot of poetry that deals with mental health and the, the, the stringes and the, um, you know, what people are afflicted with and, I just make, I feel like I make people feel very seen in these things that no one talks about because I have absolutely no problem talking about. I live it. You know what I'm saying? Why wouldn't I talk about it? I have no interest in being an actor in this play that I've seen going on forever. I will absolutely bring light to the conversation because it has to be done. It's, it's incredible how people, it's, it's mystifying to me how people are so unwilling to acknowledge something we all deal with which is these mental problems, these, these mental illnesses, and this crazy thing that affects literally everybody. You're not gonna make it through any part of life without tripping and stumbling. And it's crazy that we think we shouldn't be able to speak about it or that we're judged for it or all of these things. It's such an extensive conversation, but as far as the space being made for you know young adults, young anybody growing up, there was none, none whatsoever. And so, and, 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 and I love that. I love hearing that. Well, I don't love hearing it, but I love hearing it because it's like mm -hmm. having that conversation is important because a lot of people won't understand why things are the way they are without going backwards and understanding how we got here. There's a, there's a journey as to why we are where we are. Mental health has been talked about probably the most it's ever been talked about since 2020 going into 2023 for the last three years. It's had an mm -hmm. increased focus, but we got here off the strength of a pandemic, off the strength of so many suicides in all mm -hmm. communities, particularly in the BIPOC community and off the strength of generations of people raising their children to not, to just talk, you know, to, to don't, cry to, to man up and mm -hmm. those are things that are extremely harmful 
uh, to us because I was watching the interview uh, the other day and the brother said, you know, we were told to suppress our emotions so we never learned how to express them. And I just think there's something so powerful with you using your platform, your voice, your art to shine a light on that. Because would you agree that that's really the only way we can break that stigma is is people like you, people like me, other advocates, people in the community creating platforms, creating uh, information to speak about the things that we were told for so long to never speak about? Absolutely. It's instrumental. It's a requirement, if you ask me. Everybody needs role models. If you grow up with no guidance, you will end up anywhere. You know, you need guidance, you need role models, you need people to look up to positive role models that have been there, that have done that, that are well well educated on what they're speaking about and can lead people in the best general direction. Everybody needs that for sure. That's beautiful, bro. So just appreciate obviously all the work that you're doing and continuing to do. Hopefully, you know, it's nothing but but up for you to, you know, from here to just take your experience, to take some of the things you've dealt with and then just to create a new platform. And just understand, brother, too, even at a young age of 23, you have the ability to inspire a different generation, right? And speak to people in your peer group that some of us who are a little bit older, you know, and then some who are even older than me, can't really speak to because the younger generation needs to look at people with that they can relate to. And you're someone mm-hmm. that looks like them, that speaks like them, that speaks that language. And you're, you're using it to talk about these deep entrenched things. And I want to kind of get into, you know, the work, um, your piece that went viral. I don't know if you have any, if you have an excerpt from it, you can share the whole, whatever you want to share from it. But just before we get into it, just, just talk about like, <laughs> We know what inspires you, but just talk about why that was so important for for the things that you wrote down and that you spoke. Why why were those things needed to be said? Because you talked a lot about one thing that really hit me was about the pressure that's put on men to provide, to Mm -hmm. to be that person that all have it figured out. And it destroys men on the inside Mm -hmm. because of all that pressure. Talk, Talk about that. So I created teach a boy to cry out of absolute necessity because um teach a boy to cry the concept was just so incredibly necessary to me and it like I said it's been a thing that I've witnessed my whole life especially as you know especially as a man all of these um requirements and these things to become a quote-unquote valuable person a valuable man a man of value you know and um it's just you know, it, man, I don't even, where do I start with this? Because I'm so passionate. Teach a Boy to Cry was, a, a, it was over a 12-minute piece when I wrote it. Obviously, I cannot perform that at any open mic because all, most open mics have a limit of five minutes. I had to cut that piece down so much because of how passionate I was about um, the reality of man. And it was, like I said, I've just been going my whole life just mind blown about how nobody's just saying the the truth, the exact truth. Like, this is just the reality. Uh, So Teach a Boy to Cry was created out of absolute necessity because, like, the conversation just wasn't being had. And I know for a fact, you know, all the men that I'm interacting with, that I've been interacting with my whole life are just holding back the same feelings. And it's just, it was, it's just, uh, uh, my God, I don't even know. What part yeah. to start with? This this process, man. Just I I I'll give you a second. I'll give you a second. Just maybe <laughs> if you want to give us. I didn't know it was a twelve minute. Piece. I know the YouTube video is longer. So if you if you we're gonna definitely make sure too at the end. You know we plug all your social media. You know where we can find you, and I'll include all the relevant links in the in the uh, in the episode notes and stuff like that. But right. maybe if you want to give us a minute or two of a strong part of it. I, I want the audience to uh, to, mm. to just feel it, man. I it just teach a boy to cry. Heck, I think that'll be the name of the episode, honestly, because it's just, it's so, <laughs> it's so important. And, you know, we were told as young boys to to not cry, that boys don't cry. And we grow up so suppressed. We grow up so, mm. we're looking for, we're looking for something that we can't find because we were never taught to look for. We were never shown the way and it affects us. And so many, and a lot of us are just masking it. A lot of us just mask it with sex, with, with drugs, Mm -hmm. with money, with everything else. But deep down inside, so many people are broken and it doesn't matter how rich you are, how successful you are. 
a lot of us deep down inside are are just begging that that inner child is just trying to be fed, but we can't because we we were taught to do the opposite. And so I love the name of the piece. And just maybe if you could just give us a, a, just a small um, part of it. Um, I just think it, it, this is the piece for the audience listening that went viral. You can definitely check this out on IG, him performing it on stage with the Voices in Power. We'll have that linked in the episode notes. But uh, I'm just excited for them to get a little bit of something of this that maybe uh, the folks listening could just take something away from it if they haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. Word, absolutely. I can definitely do that. Um, so uh, I think I can. So how, how long? Because I can do about I can give you like two minutes of the piece. Two minutes is perfect, bro. Two minutes is uh, perfect, bro. Go ahead. Do you think? Perfect. All right. So I'll just this is going to, you know, come in towards like sort of in the middle of the piece. But, you know, I'll just get into it and I'll stop at a, at a part that I feel is, is a good place to stop. You got it. OK. It's funny how we can joke about a man's misery, but nobody taught the boy to cry, but they taught him how to fight. Nobody tucked him in at night so he doesn't sleep at night. Nobody offers protection to the protectors. Nobody provides the providers with provisions. Nobody looks after the overseer. Nobody has ever tried to guide the man who steers. Everybody judges the weak men. Nobody checks on the strong ones. Only other men know how subtle a difference there is before the transition. Nobody taught the boy to cry, so he will do it at all the wrong times. In the barber chair, getting casket sharp, remembering the funeral of a failed relationship in the grocery aisle, breaking down because he's weighed down by the tears collecting in his baggage at a soccer game, remembering what it was like to be a boy running towards a goal. Most men will only experience unconditional love from their mothers, and some of us don't even get that. Most of us has never even felt appreciation or respect without conditions or hidden intentions. We don't even know what it sounds like to hear. I see you and I'm proud of you. I'm glad you're here. You really make a difference. Yet the expectation is to constantly be displaying the strength and love that the world is hesitant in conveying. We're expected to have a thick skin, but get judged if it turns to a hard shell. The first step in being a man is ignoring the hunger. Because yes, boy, you're going to be starving. Starved of attention, starved of affirmation, starved of love, starved of being told that you are enough. Step two in being a man is comfortability with replaceability. You are only as good as you are useful. You are only as valuable as you are needed by others. And should there ever come a day, boy, where you fail to provide everybody with a smiling face, then do not be surprised when they say, all men do is take up space and you are swiftly replaced. Step three in being a man is overcoming your fear of the fire. Because almost everything you will ever try to build will go up in flames, relationships, careers, hobbies. And yes, you are always to blame. Step four in being a man is understanding that by the time you finally get all the right answers, these questions will have already changed. <laughs> you might achieve the strength of Herculean fiction, trying to balance the weight of all these contradictions. Be a man, they say. Definition unknown. Description keep changing. Hey, look, man. I don't even, I don't even <laughs> use my soundboard. I got a whole soundboard. I don't even use my soundboard sometimes, man. Oh, but the pockets, I got a mental. I don't be like, I don't be <laughs> like, hey, mental health. Let me shoot some guns. I had to let, I had to let the air horn go off. Yeah, hey, I, I got sound effects, man. I, I mute. I said, man, yo, this man's dropping bars, man. What's hold on, man? Let me give him this. A, this a, man. This another one, man. That's Man, like Rick Ross. Oh, yeah, I'm man, give me a little Rick Ross to me. <laughs> that was, bro, that's so fire, man. And that's just two minutes, y'all. That's just two minutes. Of course, before, before we wrap up today, I'm gonna have y'all make sure y'all check out check out the episode notes, his social media. Everything's gonna be attached there. He's gonna pitch it in just a second. But for more, and go on the YouTube to get the full experience. And hopefully, if you in the the, the the Jersey, Philadelphia, Delaware area, y'all go and tap in with him in person at these open mic nights. But bro. That was so powerful. And, and one of the biggest lines, I mean, we could sit here and talk another hour just about that, but <laughs> we don't have the time. But mm -hmm. I want to ask you a follow-up question because you mentioned you 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 had, um, you know, with the relationship with your father. Have you ever, is there like a man in your life like you that you look up to that's ever told you, I'm proud of you? Um. 
Well, uh, yes, nowadays there is. Yes, nowadays. Mm -hmm. Growing up, uh, not so much, but nowadays, yes. And what and what did that feel like for you? Like when someone that you respect, that you look up to, whether a mentor, an older brother figure, an uncle figure, when they tell you that you're proud of you, how does that make you feel as a man, as a, as a, as a boy? It makes the child inside of me want to just go in his room, sit down, process that that freeze and probably just shed some tears. You know, it really makes me want to just, um, it makes that inner child want to cry. Because that's all I needed to hear growing up. I just needed to, I needed to hear that I was doing all right. I needed to hear that I'm not a failure. I needed to hear that, you know, I matter and that I'm supposed to be here. I needed to hear that so bad, man. I really did. Yeah, bro. I asked that for a reason because I feel the same exact way. And, mm. you know, I, I spoke recently on my podcast about, uh, you know, I had the privilege of going to see um, the, the president. I met the president last month wow. uh, at the White wow. House. I was invited to the White House for a special event, partly due to the work that I do. And, mm. Biggest moment of my life by far, right? I mean, listen, I'm not, a, I'm not, in, oh. I'm not in politics. I'm about to meet the president. Actually, it wasn't even guaranteed I was going to meet him. He was there as he walked out. I was near him. He stopped. He shook hands. He took a picture with me. We talked. I got a picture. Listen, there's people in my life. I got a grandma who's probably close to 90 who can never say she met a president and she's lived through yeah. more of them than maybe I'll live through. It's a big moment, right? It's a big accomplishment mm -hmm. to say whether whatever side of the aisle you want, I don't even vote. I shook hands with a president. Right. That's fine. Thank you. But you know what's funny? Mm -hmm. Leaving that event, the first thing was in my mind was like, I wonder what my father would think. Mm. Because I'm still feeling that void of him never really telling me that yes. he's proud of me. Anytime that mm. there was a semblance of pride, it was tied to things that maybe he visioned for me and not things that I visioned for me. So there's always been this void. Mm -hmm. of feeling it's like crazy that it, I feel like it'll stay with you forever. Exactly. And, and, and so and imagine being at the biggest moment of your life and still thinking because now my father's in my life, but I've purposely have taken him out of my life for the last seven, mm -hmm. eight months, but still longing for that. And so the mm -hmm. next day, a big brother figure, a mentor of mine's messaged me and said, I'm effing proud of you. Wow. And that and that and the feeling that I got was the same feeling that you just described. Because mm -hmm. now in that moment, that was the validation, that was the affirmation. Because mm -hmm. in society, men want to put on this front. You talked earlier about, you know, people pretending. We we pretend like, yo, we good, we so strong, nothing could mm -hmm. break us. We we this, we that. Yo, we don't need nothing for nobody. We yeah. no, we we all have feelings. We all have things that we're missing. That inner child in us. We talk about ACE adverse childhood experiences. There's things that are missing, and that we need, but we didn't get. And then we go look for it in, in really unproductive ways, and it leads nice. our community down a certain path that isn't good. Nice. So just that was I wanted to highlight that line about being told that you that someone's proud of you and how mm -hmm. much that impacts. And it's not just, it's important coming from women. We can get it from our mothers. We can get it from our, our girlfriends, our spouses, mm -hmm. our sisters, but it's something different when we hear it from another man. It's something we, different. Yeah, it's a man that we respect, that we look up to. It's exactly. just different. It's, it's exactly. just different, man. You yeah. hit the nail on the head. That's, that's beautiful, bro. That's beautiful. I just had to highlight that, man. Beautiful piece. Before we get to your social medias, I like, I, I got this new thing I'm doing uh, where we kind of just break the ice and kind of just get out. Because sometimes we get in these, uh, on my pod, I get into these heavy conversations about mm -hmm. mental health and trauma and stuff. So just, we're just going to do some random questions. I don't have nothing written down. Just a, a little quick get to know you session. You already told us Wait. you're 23. Uh, so just mm -hmm. some quick rapid fire. Favorite rapper? Favorite rapper? Cody your friend. Who's that? Who said that again? Code of the Friend. Code of the Friend. Is that like an underground dude? He's an indie rapper from New York. His, his All of his music is about his healing journey and, you know, masculinity and what it was to him. And it's, it's beautiful. One of the most beautiful artists I've ever oh. heard in my entire life. Well, you just put me on. Send, send, me, send me his mm -hmm. stuff. Send me his stuff, Absolutely. man. And I'm, I'm going to look him up. Okay. Uh, favorite movie all time? Favorite movie? Uh, Malcolm and Marie. Hey, for that to be two, just two people in that movie, essentially, Dane, uh, Homegirls, and Dea, 
and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Denzel Washington. So, whew, that's a phenomenal. That is a phenomenal piece, and that really told a great story as well. Too. Yeah, that that movie was on. Unre- I've probably seen it a hundred thousand times. It's incredible. Yeah, like in the sport, especially you as an artist, you're you're, you're watching it, like seeing how it's coming together as a writer and just being in awe of like <laughs> the script writing, the cinematic, the black and white, the the script. Oh my god, the script is so genius. It's so yeah. Oh my! It's oh, man. I could get to a whole tangent on that. <laughs> <laughs> now that's dope. Uh, favorite show? Favorite TV show? What happened? Can you hear me? Favorite? Can you hear me? Oh yeah, I can hear. Okay. You. I can hear. Uh, favorite right. TV show? Favorite TV show? Um, I haven't watched this TV. Uh, I, the most recent show I've watched was called The One Hundred. Okay. What about growing up? Like, what was your favorite show growing up as a kid? Oh, growing up, probably SpongeBob. <laughs> okay, I mean SpongeBob can't, 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 can't lose with that. Sponge, yeah, Sponge, SpongeBob was goaded, man. That joint came out mm-hmm. in the '90s. People don't even know how like the joint came out like '98. I watched that growing up. So, <laughs> I mean, you can still watch them. The memes still work today, twenty something years later. So that's that's mm-hmm. dope. Uh, we said favorite artists, but like, do you have like a favorite, uh, favorite album of all time? Like favorite rap album? Maybe from favorite like a main, like a mainstream artist, maybe something that people would know. Um, I think Cole's, uh, his one album that was, uh, really overlooked, um, KOD, Kids on Drugs. I, I really okay. like that album a lot. Okay. I love that album. Uh, I still hold that near and dear to me. People gave it a lot of smoke because it wasn't this hype rap, you know, brain dead type of vibe that people love to consume more than anything. And uh, I, I love KOD because the artistry was real. And it was, you know, it's just, it, feel, it appeals to me as the you know type of person I am. I love hearing people be vulnerable in the music and telling the story. The storytelling, KOD was fire. Yeah, that was a good album. That was a really good album. I think that sometimes with artists like Cole or just in general, when you've been out so long, when you have all these great albums and like you they start to just compare you to yourself. So it doesn't mean like the new music is necessarily bad. It's like when you're a Drake or Cole or a little Wayne or Kendrick, you've probably have already peaked at your highest performance. So anything mm-hmm. you put out, it could, your, your last album could be someone's best album ever. It's just, they're also comparing it to other gold mm-hmm. albums. So I think that's probably yeah. why that album kind of got slept on. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a really good album and the artwork was dope on that too. So that's, that, that's or, like yeah, that. it was fire. I love it. Uh, dream job, dream job. If you could do anything in the world. What would I want to do poetry tours. I want to, you know, I don't know if you're, you know who Rupi Carr is, but I want, a career similar to hers. She just tours literally the world, selling out arenas. She has a lineup of poets that open up for her, local poets that she puts on. And um, and then she finishes the show out with her own poetry. And she sells out stadiums with thousands and thousands of people in it, sells merch, sells books. And, um, and she makes a livelihood traveling, doing poetry. And she's globally known. And uh, I want a career as like that. I want to be a career poet, just impacting people everywhere I go. That's beautiful, bro. That's beautiful. You you can you can do it full time. You can put everything into it, bro. That's awesome. And then I think my last question for you is if you could meet any oh, but no, before I get to that question, sports teams. Now you're from South. This is an important question because you're from South Jersey. So you gotta answer this correctly. You must answer this correctly. Favorite football team. Oh man, this is not the correct answer. Oh no, <laughs> I'm no, you, I'll no. Tell you right now. Oh no. Go ahead. I'll tell you right now, it's not the right answer. I don't even watch sports, bro. Oh man, no! Yeah. I, well, that, that that's um, better than any alternative to the Eagles. So. <laughs> that's better than any alternative, man. You know, Phillies won the uh, won to know last night. Phillies won the World Series. Uh, won the one game, one of the World Series. Eagles still undefeated. You heard? You know, they played. They play tomorrow. They play the Steelers tomorrow. Just FYI, um, <laughs> Flyers are looking good. You know, I'm a Philly guy. Uh, so. I'm crying. <laughs> um, so let's get, so if you can meet any celebrity like right now like like you know someone you look up to someone you think that could impact your life if you could just right now in 10 minutes go and meet somebody a celebrity a famous person who would it be right now and it could be um, dead or alive oh wow that's, that's a lot to choose from right yeah um sheesh um I don't know. I feel like the first person that comes to my mind for some reason is Janae Aiko. I feel like I would love to have a conversation with her. Janae. She makes mm-hmm. some she makes some great vibey music. So Yeah. Um 
her music has evolved so much. I feel like I just would like to pick her mind and to have her do that in return. I don't know. I just feel like a conversation would be crazy. Yeah, I really like the, um, my favorite album by her is probably the Trip album. Uh, mm. That's a really, really good piece of work that I still have in rotation today. And then the the last album, the Chilumbo album, was really dope as well, too. And, and then mm. uh, the album she did with Big Sean, the 2088 album, is really good. So oh, she has some, I mean, she's been, I mean, Janae has a really good catalog to, to have been out, uh, you know, a short relative time in the industry, but she really has a lot of good music that just, you know, if you know, you know. So that's, that's, that's it, good. It feels she, good. Yeah. yeah. Her music feels good. It feels like good weather. That's dope, bro. But yeah, just to, man, I just want to have a little, had a little fun with you, man. A little random quick question, man. Won't, won't put you in the hot mm-hmm. seat no more, but at least the audience <laughs> get a chance to just know you outside of just the work. When they get a chance to follow you, they know a little bit of some of the things that, that you're passionate about, some of the things that are driving you. And I think that's important to, uh, to build in character. So just let them know how can they contact you, man. Let them know, plug your social media, um, how they can how they can book you, what whatever you got going on. Just let them know anything and we'll make sure we put any any of the links in the uh in the episode notes as well. Absolutely. So um my main platform that I use is Instagram. Uh I don't really have any other social media besides Instagram. So my Instagram is teach Levis as T S L E E V E L E S S. It's just sleeveless with the word T and with the letter T in front of it. Um, as far as uh, bookings and everything, uh, you can contact me at tsleeveless at gmail.com. Uh, I do handle most of my bookings through there. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, that's really my only social media. Uh, and to contact me professionally, uh, Gmail is preferred for sure. And um, you drop me a message, drop me a DM. I'm always happy to talk to people, always happy to do that. And um, that's that's pretty much me right now. I have a lot of building to do in the future. I'm still pretty new to this, but that's all I got at the moment. Yeah, bro, get you some hey, get you some people in your corner, man. Start to build it as you're going to gain those followers and stuff like that. Get, get people to tap in with you, Linktree, all your links mm-hmm. and stuff like that, YouTube and uh, you know, any, any help that we can help you with, man, let us know, but man, we just super proud of you. Um, keep, keep going. We need speakers like you. We need brothers like you out here, um, speaking about real ish in our community, bro. So just, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Like just keep, I was so inspired. I said, man, as soon as like, I think I hit you before I got on the plane, I'm like, yo, when I get back, I got to tap into this (laughs) guy like ASAP, like, and just made it my business just to to tap in with you, bro. So I can't wait for the audience to hear this, bro. And, um, we, we, we going to stay in touch for sure, bro. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity so much. Uh, I absolutely love doing this and I, I, I'm really, I'm really grateful for this. I really am. Did y'all enjoy that? (laughs) I enjoyed that. So I hope that y'all did as well. I'm not going to say I don't care if y'all did, but listen, I enjoy that so much. And I can't wait to like make it full circle in a few moments to tell you guys again how that came together and how I believe that God has moved me within these last five or six days in ways that I never thought he could. I'm going to get into that in just a second, but again, Shout out to my man Taj, a.k.a. AKA T Sleeveless. Y'all make sure y'all go follow him right now. Tap in with him. His followers are going up like every minute. That video, I think, now has over 2 million views. And that's just alone on his IG from the Voices in Power page. Shout out to them as well. We're tapped in together now on IG. But there's a bunch of other blogs. As you know, when something goes viral, people reshare it. It's just it's completely viral. And... I have something special to announce about that and just in, and later in the pod in a second as we wrap up. But make sure y'all tap in with him. His links, relevant information, social media is right now in the episode notes. So tap in. And then while you're there, if you're in the episode notes, leave us a review, particularly if you're listening on Apple. Leave us a review if you enjoyed this episode. That really helps us grow. Leave us a review. Make sure you're following us on IG at the mental underscore wealth podcast. And when you see content, share, like, uh, bookmark, all that good things it really helps the algorithm. Thank you again so much uh, to my man, uh, T Sleeveless, for being on the podcast today. Where I want to go with this is just to explain how, how this concept of teaching boys that it's okay to cry, like how impactful. First of all, I've seen this clip. I was in Vegas for a little quick little getaway. 
And uh, I saw it. I reached out. I tapped in. I'm like, yo, I, I don't know when, but we got to connect. Didn't know what happened this quick, but we had to connect. Now, I came home back to the East Coast where I live like Tuesday night into Wednesday on a red eye flight. Red eye, for those of you who don't know, is like when you leave somewhere super late, uh, for example, like 9, 10 o'clock at night on the West Coast. And when you land, because of the time flip, you're gonna, it's going to be morning time, right? You're going to leave at night and come back at the daytime. In this case, it was still dark when I got back, but it was basically morning. So by the time I landed back on the East Coast with the time flip, it was about 5 in the morning. And I still had like a three-hour drive home from the airport because the airport I flew out of was not my local airport. Needless to say, good thing I had Wednesday off. So I get home. I rest like all day. I think I fall asleep and I wake up at like four. A friend of mine reaches out and says, hey, let's link up for some food and go catch a sunset. So that was really cool because just kind of getting back and just grounding myself with nature was really, really important for self-care. After traveling, because Vegas is cool. I've been to Vegas quite some time. A lot of trips for work, a lot of trips for personal. It's fun. I'll be honest, I was there probably a little longer than I wanted to be, but I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed being there, and but just coming back, I just couldn't wait to get back home and just chill. And so that happened. Last two days of work on a short work week were a little hectic. I'll be honest, extremely hectic because I'm catching up on a lot of emails, four or 500 emails, catching up with my employees, catching up with my boss after being gone all week, trying to get to the weekend, but I got to fight through with those two days. And so that's kind of where my mindset was like going into this weekend. I really didn't want to do a whole lot of things. Um, I wanted to really just be intentional, take time for me relax and just get some things done production wise because i just been on the move so much that just a chance to really sit down was really really powerful so i want to just explain to you like how and this is going to connect back to the episode as well but on friday right this was this weekend for me was literally like the best weekend of the entire year like i really feel full and recharged and ready for this week and that's not usually something i could say typically i'm dreading monday uh, where Sundays I'm finishing up the pod. I do a lot and I'm like, man, I gotta go to work Monday. Even though I work from home, I'm like, gotta go to work. And then pretty soon I'm gonna have to go to, into the office again every other Monday. So not looking forward to that, but I actually am excited. Like I have energy and that's because I had a great weekend. So Friday I worked out, but when I got off of work, before I went to the gym, big bro, Jay Barnett, y'all know who he is on Sherry Shepard's show. And here's uh, some things that he shared on the, sh- on the Sherry Shepard show. He's, uh, three things, Sherry asked him how to improve your mental health. He says, one, start the day in silence. Two, set boundaries that benefit you. Three, be compassionate to yourself. And he went on to elaborate. I'm sure you could find this clip on his IG, on YouTube somewhere, but those are the three baselines. He talked about three ways to improve your mental health. Start the day in silence. Set boundaries that benefit you and be compassionate to yourself. And then there was this clip that I'm going to play for you of something else that he said. You hear uh, boys shouldn't cry. You hear that man up. Those terms, uh, what it does, it it teaches a young boy psychologically to repress his emotions. Mm -hmm. And, And if you learn how to repress your emotions, you never really learn how to express them. And so for most boys, it comes out in anger. And so that becomes the only emotion that we learn how to express. And what I've been doing uh, with my book and even on the Just And he goes on to talk about his tour. Y'all know I've talked about the Just Hill Bro tour. One day I'll get Jay on the pod. I mean, he's just a busy guy, but that's my big brother in real life. But imagine hearing that clip on Friday. So I I consume that and I'm like, I'm proud of him. I go through this moment of reflection, like, man, he's been there for me this year, personally, professionally. I'm proud of him to see him on TV. It's it's, but then the information is good. So I'm feeling full on this Friday evening. uh, I go to the gym. My Philadelphia Phillies win the first game of the world series. They're one and zero. They were down. Oh, and five, like halfway through the game, they came back to tie it and win it late. So congrats to them. I think the World Series now is 1-1 in game three. If you're listening to this on Monday, will be tonight in Philadelphia. So that happened. I go to the gym. I come back and I get an email that I've been officially invited to speak at PodFest. PodFest is an event that I spoke at 
back in May. If you listen to episodes number 44 and 46, the two panels that I spoke on are featured in those episodes, episode 44 and 46. And so this, this time I spoke on two panels in smaller rooms, but I got a chance to mingle and I was just grateful to be a speaker, but I was on two smaller panels in breakout rooms. This coming January, for the ninth annual PodFest in Orlando, the largest gathering of podcasters in the world, I will be a featured speaker on the main stage. It's called a Picha Kucha Speaks. It's like a mini TED Talk. So more to come on that. But obviously, I'm consuming that on Friday. Like, wow, this is happening. I prayed for this. I manifested this. This is happening. Next year, God willing, I will speak on the main stage because this past May, I walked on the stage, got some content, and I said to myself, I'll be back here. And that's exactly what's going to happen in about 90 days. I'll be back back in that same exact spot. So that's happening on Friday. So my Friday was great, right? Like I'm on a high. My brother's on TV, worked out. I'm on Pod, Pod Fest. The Phillies won. So then Saturday, I slept in. I recorded this episode of the podcast and was feeling full. And then after that, I was working on some behind the scenes content for Black Men Hill and their organization and their upcoming gala, which I'll talk about in a few minutes here. And then I just laid down and watched TV. Watching TV is like one of the best things I can do for myself. Netflix binging, catching up on DVR, traveling so much. I probably had like 30 shows on my DVR, just breezing through, popping some popcorn, relaxing, not being bothered phone on do not disturb and then i watched this documentary the cave of abdullah by jason wilson a mental health speaker i've talked about him before i met him last october at the first mental wealth expo and he said things that changed my life he partnered with espn espn and lawrence fishbourne to produce a documentary about his uh cave in detroit that takes in young men young boys trains them from the spiritual perspective, education-wise, martial arts, to give them a safe space to express their emotions and to learn discipline and to take care of their mental health. It was, a fun, it was by far one of the most compelling documentaries I've ever seen. I found myself teary-eyed many times. One particular story, I won't give it all away, one particular story featured a young man, 13, 14, dealing with you know, being raised by his grandmother and his father because his mom left when he was two and how they recently reconnected and he was happy to have his mom in his life, but that she was having a new child. And initially he felt happy to be a big brother, but then he was helped to see how it might affect him later and that it was okay to express emotions because there was still a void missing within him and how that might create some animosity towards his mom seeing his mom give love to his younger sibling that he never got. And he broke down and cried. And they embraced him and showed him so much. I thought it was beautiful. That's just one of the, it was so many other stories, but I was just moved. The inner child in me was full after watching that documentary. So that was on Saturday. And then I worked out again. So my, I'm just, can Saturday get any better? Can the weekend get any better? So then Sunday, I get up early I got some coupons to go to the mall. I'm a big candle guy. It's the fall. I love candles. So I, I go get some candles. I go shopping. I go to this other store. Uh, I had a coupon, like 40 bucks off or something like that, right? And uh, I couldn't find anything I wanted. I was looking for like accessories. Well, only thing I could use it on was some cologne that smelled divine and a wallet. Now, I don't like to do things for myself. I'm usually pouring into other people. But I really needed a new wallet. Like my wallet was, the leather was peeling off. It was soiled. It was old, pockets ripping. So I bought me a new wallet. And that felt good to do something for myself. Like, because I usually don't. So I did that. And I felt really good about it. I went grocery shopping. I haven't grocery shopped in so long because I just been busy traveling. So just to go get groceries for myself was just like so therapeutic. Uh, my Eagles won the Philadelphia Eagles shot to them. They're now seven and oh, you know, the best team in the NFL right now. They won, watched a little bit of that, had my clubhouse room as well that I do every Sunday at one o'clock. We talked about mental health in children. I was 
um, inspired by the cave of Abdullah and just talking about that conversation of giving young men and women safe spaces to talk about mental health. So that was in power. We had over 800 people in that space. Uh, I left the house, went and saw a beautiful sunset. That was really good for my mental health. And I finished the day off with having a conversation with one of my peers. Shout out to my man, Rob. And we talked about podcasting and he's helping me figure some things out visually that I'm going to work on into my next season where I want to just level up my game visually. And he gave me some things that he was using and we had a great conversation and shared some ideas together. So I had a productive, productive, productive weekend. And I'm just so full. I'm so excited. I would have just, I I wanted to share that with y'all just to encourage each and every one of you to take time for yourself, to be intentional. Your most valuable asset is you. So make sure some, all of us have worked different work schedules. Everyone's not always off the weekend. Even if you just get a day off, it's self-care day. Even you can just get 10, 15 minutes out of a day to take care of you, to do something for you. Do it. And please be intentional because I'm coming off this weekend on such a high We're nearing the end of this season of the podcast. There's so many great things to come, but I really feel like with the theme of this episode and with everything that transpired within the last three or four days, this is God God leading me. I can feel it. And I'm grateful for my voice. I'm grateful for my audience. I'm grateful to have this platform to shine a light on the things that are so dark. Before I get you out of here, Black Men Heal. 11, 11, 2022, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. If you're in the Delaware, Maryland, New York, Philadelphia, and of course, the New Jersey area, Adventure Aquarium in Camden, New Jersey, we're honoring Dr. Alfie, Reform Alliance, Nomo Foundation. And I can announce right here, right now, based on some great work from a, a pretty cool guy who's been doing some amazing stuff in the background, for Blackman Hill, that the the poet, the artist that you just heard today on this podcast, he will be there live and he will be performing. He will be, let me get my, let me go. He will be performing live <laughs> at the Blackman Hill Gala on November 11th, 2022. We can't wait to see you there, T Sleepless. You're going to do amazing and going to inspire. All of us. So if you're in that area, please get a ticket. Tickets are on sale right now. I'm going to include that link in the bio as well. If you're in that area, if you can just donate to the cause, if you can't be there, please do so or share it with someone. Black men, black women that want to support healing, that want to help us raise money to do the work in our community. This is for you. This is the annual fundraising gala. We'll all be dressed up, honoring key people in the mental health space and most importantly, honoring our brothers and our sisters, and giving each other a safe space to be heard, to be loved, to be supported, and even to cry if we need to. Blackman Hill Gala, November 11th, 2022. Let me get you out of here with some affirmations. I'm so glad this episode got me feeling amazing. Here's a couple affirmations. Shout out to We The Urban. I got six things that you need to hear today, and then we'll close out with an affirmation. Release, let go, let flow. Please keep pursuing your talents. Please keep nurturing your hobbies. Please keep your inner child alive. Never stop being you. Your mental illness does not define you. It's just one part of the beautiful totality of you. Be mindful of the negative thought spirals. You don't have to drown in scenarios that don't exist and haven't happened. Sending love to anyone having a hard time with their body image and or eating lately. You are beautiful in your current form. You are worthy of love and you deserve to be okay with being you. The whole point of life is to change, to evolve, to grow. Don't resist it. Embrace it. And speaking of growth, growth suits me. I am present. I am at peace with this moment. I am learning. 
I am comprehending. I am evolving. I am abundant in peace, health, love, money, and harmony. I appreciate every experience and challenge that brought me here because whether I realize it at the moment or not, everything I go through always ends up working in my favor. 